1: I'm Holly Fry. Today we're picking up where we left off in the story of Robert Smalls. So to very, very briefly recap part one. he was enslaved from birth in the McKee household of Beaufort, South Carolina, which is pronounced differently from Beaufort, North Carolina, even though they are both named after the same person. During the Civil War, he made a dramatic escape aboard a boat called the Planter, directly under the noses of the Confederate military. His escape was a boost to morale in the Union and an embarrassment for the Confederacy. And it also served to rally other enslaved persons who heard about it. He became something of a celebrity in the North and a spokesperson for African-Americans with the Union. At the time of his uh, escape, Robert Smalls was only 23 years old. He was hailed as a hero in the Union newspapers, while the newspapers of the Confederacy alternated between strongly denouncing what he'd done and then kind of downplaying it while simultaneously casting tons of blame on the white soldiers and officers that had failed to stop him. Those officers who had left the boat overnight uh, were indeed court-martialed, although it was eventually thrown out on a technicality. From the time they reached the Union blockade aboard the planter, Robert Smalls and his family were free. They were considered to be contraband, which is a term that was used to describe formerly enslaved people who joined the Union. But this was just the beginning of an impressive career as a free man.
0: When he reached the Onward, which was one of the ships in the Union blockade, Robert Smalls is reported to have said to Lieutenant J.F. Nicholas, who was in command, quote, I thought this ship might be of some use to Uncle Abe. I have some guns the Confederates took away from Fort Sumter. And the planter was, in fact, extremely useful. She was fast, and she rode very high in the water, so she was easy to get in and out of shallow areas while still carrying lots of men or cargo.
1: But Smalls himself was a huge asset to the Union as well. References to his competence, intelligence, and resourcefulness are all over the letters and papers of the Union officers and soldiers who encountered him. In the words of Admiral Samuel F. DuPont, quote, This man, Robert Smalls, is superior to any who has yet come into lines, intelligent as many of them have been. His information has been most interesting and portions of it of the utmost importance. I shall continue to employ Robert as a pilot aboard the planter for the inland waters, which he appears to be very familiar
0: Pilot, by the way, uh, DuPont referring to him that way, was a promotion. Because he was enslaved, the highest rank that Smalls could hold under the Confederacy was wheelman. He would eventually become the planter's captain.
1: The way they used the word wheelman was also basically what we have to call pilots if they're enslaved. Like he was doing yeah. a pilot's job, but they wouldn't call him that because he was enslaved. His familiarity with the inland waters was of huge strategic importance to the Union. He knew where mines had been laid. He knew which spots were likely to be used as ambushes. He knew which routes were used by smugglers. He basically brought with him a mental atlas of the islands, rivers, and sounds, as well as Confederate fortifications in the area.
0: Robert Smalls was happy to lend all of this knowledge to the Union. Doing so meant that he was working against slavery rather than for it, as had been the case when he was forced to work for the Confederacy.
1: Robert Smalls' military service for the Union began pretty much immediately, but he couldn't actually join the Union Navy. To do that, a person had to be literate. In spite of the fact that the McKee family had been pretty lenient with him during his enslavement, they hadn't allowed him to learn to read. So to work around this uh, restriction regarding his literacy, he was instead made uh, essentially a civilian contractor for the army and then detailed back over to the Navy.
0: During the Civil War, Smalls participated in 17 different military engagements aboard the Planter, uh, aboard an ironclad ship called the Keokuk, and other ships as well. But in addition to this time in combat, thanks to the fame that followed in the wake of his escape, he also did a lot of diplomatic fundraising and a recruitment work for the Union.
1: For example, after it took Port Royal, South Carolina, the Union wanted its residents to grow cotton. They needed cotton for the war effort. But most of the people living there had, until the arrival of the Union, been enslaved on a cotton plantation. Continuing to grow cotton felt like doing the same thing for a different master, so a lot of people had planted food crops instead. Smalls
0: was sent in to negotiate. He was familiar with the people in the area, and he was bilingual, able to speak both English and Gullah. Gullah is an English-based Creole that draws from several West African languages and is spoken in the Sea Islands of South Carolina and Georgia. Smalls was able to negotiate a temporary compromise that allowed the growing of both cotton and food crops.
1: His powers of persuasion were directed at the Union government as well. As we mentioned in the previous installment of this story, General David Hunter had, on a couple of occasions, tried to free all of the enslaved persons in places where he was in command. And the federal government had, on both occasions, shut this down, arguing that it was up to Congress or the president to end slavery, not a general acting off on his own.
0: In August 1862, Hunter met with Smalls on the subject of recruiting African Americans into the Union military. Although Hunter had been encouraging the acceptance of enslaved persons who reached Union lines into military service in areas that were under his command, this was not official military
1: policy. Hunter made arrangements for Smalls to go to Washington, D.C., traveling with Reverend Mansfield French to speak with the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, and with other members of Lincoln's cabinet. Smalls met with the Secretary of War on August 20th. Then he met with the Secretary of the Treasury. And after that, he and Reverend French met directly with Abraham Lincoln.
0: Others, including Frederick Douglass, had already advised the president to encourage the recruitment of black soldiers into the Union Army. Smalls advised the same and said that he would recruit 10,000 men himself if the president allowed it.
1: Ultimately, the president and the secretary of war authorized the enlistment of black troops into the Union Army on August 25th, 1862. Robert Smalls added recruiting black troops into the rest of his military work. He's reported to have recruited 5,000 people, but I didn't really find documentation (laughs) of how that number was calculated.
0: Then he did all of this wartime work while the South had placed a $4,000 bounty on him, along with an $800 bounty on his wife or children.
1: Smalls continued his military service after the Civil War, becoming a major general of the South Carolina militia. He also moved into political service, which is what we will talk about after a brief word from a sponsor. Hey, Holly, we have some exciting news.
0: you're really going to enjoy the way that she gets into these conversations that feel like two friends talking, and they are an absolute delight. So, subscribe to the women on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so before we get into Robert Small's time in the South Carolina legislature, we need to set the stage a little bit with what happened after the end of the Civil War because his political career directly parallels other events in U.S. history.
1: The two biggest, most obvious things that probably come to mind about the end of the Civil War are that the states that had seceded rejoined the Union and slavery was abolished. But it wasn't just as simple as the war's over, so we're one country again, and also there's no more slavery. There needed to be a plan for the former Confederate states to demonstrate their loyalty to the United States, and there also needed to be a plan to address the social, political, and economic inequality that stemmed from the institution of slavery— and to try to rebuild the damage to the nation and its infrastructure that had been caused by the war itself. These plans and the years through which they played out became known as Reconstruction. There is way too much Reconstruction history to cover in one episode or even ten episodes, so this is an extremely basic overview.
0: The grand idea behind Reconstruction was to rebuild and unify the nation and to offset the inherent disadvantages that African-Americans faced because of the institution of slavery. But a lot went wrong. First, there was significant back and forth between President Lincoln and Congress about what the plan should be. Lincoln's plan boiled down to the states abolishing slavery and 10 percent of their eligible voters swearing an oath of allegiance. Congress felt like this was not enough and passed the Wade Davis bill, which set a significantly higher bar for readmission, one that the president felt was too high, so he refused to sign it.
1: A much bigger issue was that when Abraham Lincoln, a Republican, had run for re-election in 1864, he had selected Democrat Andrew Johnson of Tennessee as his running mate in the hope that it would bring him the support of Democrats and perhaps voters with pro-Confederate leanings. Along with other strategies, this worked, and Lincoln was re-elected by a landslide. But that meant that when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, Johnson became president.
0: The same traits that had led some voters to support Johnson's vice presidency also led him to undermine some of the most important elements of Reconstruction. He granted an amnesty that affected numerous ex-Confederates, many of whom were then elected to the new governments of the southern states. He set standards for readmission to the union that didn't do much to address the issues Congress was trying to fix. He vetoed civil rights legislation, although Congress adopted it over his veto. He ultimately declared that the union was restored, even though many of the rebelling states hadn't actually done one or more of the very basic things that they were expected to do to be readmitted to the union.
1: As a side note, Johnson was also the first president to be impeached for dismissing Edwin Stanton's secretary of war, which violated the Tenure of Office Act.
0: And to be clear, there were strides made to try to bring about equality after the Civil War. Between 1865 and 1870, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the U.S. Constitution, which are known as the Reconstruction Amendments, were ratified. The 13th abolished slavery. The 14th, which we have talked about in a lot of episodes on this show, gave all citizens due process and equal protection under the law. And the 15th gave all male citizens the right to vote, regardless of, quote, race, color, or previous condition of servitude. In 1865, the Freedmen's Bureau was also established with the hope of providing education, medical care, and assistance with labor contracts to previously enslaved persons.
1: But none of this was as broad, far-reaching, or effective as Congress had hoped at the conclusion of the war. Sometimes people talk about the failure of Reconstruction, but really, Reconstruction was never given a chance to succeed the election of former Confederate leaders to southern state governments led to those governments actively working against Reconstruction. Many passed explicitly discriminatory laws and policies almost immediately. As early as November of 1865, governments in former Confederate states were passing Black Codes, which eventually evolved into Jim Crow laws, which denied African Americans basic legal rights and protections.
0: All of this was playing out as Robert Smalls became a community and political leader, first in Beaufort and then in South Carolina.
1: After the war, Smalls, his wife, and their two surviving children returned to Beaufort. He had been awarded $1,500 for the capture of the planter for, quote, rescuing her from the enemies of the government. He'd also saved a lot of his pay as well as other financial awards that he got from various aspects of his service, He used $650 of this money to buy the former McKee home, which which had since been sold to another family, at a tax auction.
0: From there, he used some of his money to help establish businesses and to help other black families establish businesses of their own. He acquired land and property, and he helped build a black-owned railroad in Charleston.
1: He also used some of his newfound wealth to assist his former owners who had been financially ruined by the war. He purchased a small house for the McKees and he helped their children find jobs. After Henry McKee died, Smalls had Mrs. McKee cared for in his own home. So I want to be clear here. This turnabout does not somehow negate the fact that the McKees had owned Robert Smalls and his mother and other people as property. And it doesn't erase the institution of slavery as a whole But Smalls' compassionate treatment of the McKees and the other white citizens of Beaufort did wind up earning him the respect of many in the white community.
0: Robert Smalls also did a lot of work in the area of education. He had begun educating himself through private tutors during the war. Back in Beaufort, he resumed the practice, hiring a tutor, waking up at 5 a.m. every morning to study for two hours before the rest of his day began. This desire to educate himself carried over to a desire to educate his children and the black community of South Carolina as a whole. He helped form the Beaufort County School Board in February 1867 and was immediately elected chair. The school board then purchased property and established a school.
1: It's unsurprising given that after this much community involvement after the war, Smalls also moved into political leadership. In 1867, he helped found the Republican Party in South Carolina, and he was a delegate at seven different Republican national conventions. Along with many other black civic leaders, he made huge strides in getting South Carolina's black citizens, which at this point outnumbered its white citizens, registered to vote. He was elected to be a delegate at South Carolina's Constitutional Convention in 1867. When the Constitutional
0: Convention, which was one of the requirements for South Carolina to rejoin the Union, uh, was convened in 1868, 76 of its 124 delegates were black. Smalls was appointed to the Finance Committee, and he also proposed a resolution to set up free public schools that were available to everyone. This resolution ultimately led to the first public schools in South Carolina.
1: That same year, he was elected to a two-year term in the South Carolina House of Representatives. That year, the majority of representatives in the South Carolina General Assembly were black, and there were nine black and 24 white senators in the state Senate. In fact, during Reconstruction, South Carolina had more black citizens holding public office than any other state. South Carolina also had more black representation in the United States Congress during Reconstruction than any other state as well.
0: At the end of his term in the House of Representatives, Smalls was elected to the South Carolina State Senate, where he served two terms, continuing to focus on education, economic opportunity and investigation of alleged corruption in the Republican Party.
1: From there, Smalls' next stop was the United States federal government, which we will talk about after another brief sponsor break. Hi,
0: everyone. It's Katie Couric. I've got a ton of questions about this crazy time we're living in, and I know you probably do too. On the new season of my podcast, Next Question with me, Katie Couric, I sit down with people at the center of the issue shaping the world around us, like the impact meat has on our health and on the environment, why the maternal mortality rate in the United States is so high, and how the 2020 presidential candidates plan to improve the lives of everyday americans i hope you'll join me for these fascinating conversations on the second season of next question subscribe and listen every
1: thursday on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows
0: In 1874, Robert Smalls was elected to the United States House of Representatives, representing a majority black district that included Beaufort County, South Carolina. Between 1875 and 1886, he served five non-consecutive terms.
1: In the House of Representatives, he continued to work toward the social and economic interests of South Carolina, especially its black citizens. He advocated for a Navy base to be built in Port Royal, South Carolina, which wound up becoming a significant contributor to the state's economy.
0: He also championed a bill that required the federal government to return land that had been confiscated for non-payment of taxes, which allowed residents of South Carolina and many other states to buy the land at a low cost. This measure led to black citizens of Beaufort County owning most of the land there. In
1: 1876, one more time, 1876, Robert Smalls proposed an amendment to an Army Reorganization Bill, which would have integrated the United States Armed Forces. Although his efforts weren't successful, they did demonstrate that people were genuinely attempting to desegregate the United States Armed Forces long, long before President Truman signed Executive Order 9981 in 1948.
0: However, during these same years, an intense violent backlash against Reconstruction was growing more pronounced and severe in many southern states. The white supremacist organization, the Ku Klux Klan, had been established in 1866, and by 1870, it had really spread throughout the South. In 1876, armed white men killed several black members of the militia near Hamburg, South Carolina. and that same year, elections in South Carolina were overrun with violence and voter intimidation in an effort to remove black officials from
1: power. In 1877, Republican Rutherford B. Hayes took office as president of the United States after an incredibly long and controversial presidential election. His opponent, Democrat Samuel J. Tilden, had won the popular vote, but when it came to awarding electoral votes, the results reported by the Republican and Democratic parties in three different states did not match up. Consequently, it was up to Congress to decide how to allot the electoral votes from these states.
0: In the end, a compromise was reached. Rutherford B. Hayes would become president. But as commander-in-chief of the army, he would have to issue the order to withdraw federal troops, which had been part of the Reconstruction effort, from the south.
1: By this point, a lot of the early strides toward equality that had been made during the earlier years of Reconstruction had already been erased. As states had passed black codes and other discriminatory laws, state and local governments that had briefly become a lot closer to reflecting the racial makeup of their constituents didn't anymore. Voter intimidation and violence against black citizens at the hand of white citizens were really on the rise. Governments all over the South returned to being mostly to entirely white, with many of the white government leaders having ties to the former Confederacy. Uh, A lot of people feel like this withdrawal of of the federal troops was really the final nail in the coffin of Reconstruction.
0: And it was against this backdrop that in 1877, Robert Smalls was accused, tried and convicted of accepting a bribe. The case boiled down to a man named Joseph Woodruff, who claimed that he had bribed Smalls with $5,000 on January 19th, 1873. A key piece of evidence was a check dated the 19th, which was made out to, quote, cash or bearer, and not to Robert Smalls. Another was a handwritten note written in pencil dated the 18th, the day before the check, with no signatures on it.
1: In spite of the fact that none of what we just said really adds up, uh, and the fact that there were a lot of other inconsistencies and unreliable witness testimonies involved in this trial, Smalls was found guilty. The conviction was upheld on appeal, but he was later pardoned, although the South Carolina press continued to use the issue against him for the next two years. At this point, most historians agree that this was really an effort to try to keep Smalls out of office and not a crime that he had committed at any point.
0: Even though he was running in an overwhelmingly black Republican congressional district, Smalls lost in the race for the U.S. House in 1878 to white Democrat George Tillman. He continued to work within the Republican Party in the face of ongoing harassment and threats and intimidation. He lost to Tillman again in 1880, although the results of the 1880 election were heavily contested. And the House of Representatives ultimately decided to seat Smalls instead, more than 18 months into the two-year term.
1: In 1882, Smalls withdrew from the race in favor of another Republican candidate, in part because his own political support from voters hadn't yet recovered from the bribery charge.
0: Robert Smalls' wife, Hannah, died in 1883. Smalls later married a woman named Annie Wig, and they had a son together who they named William Robert. Annie died a few years into their marriage.
1: In eighteen eighty four, Robert Smalls ran against white Confederate veteran William Elliott Sr. and won. At this point, gerrymandering had guaranteed that all but one of South Carolina's districts had a majority white population. So black representation in the South Carolina government and in South Carolina's representatives to the federal government had dropped dramatically.
0: In 1886, Elliott defeated Smalls in the race for the House of Representatives. Although he was nominated in subsequent years, Smalls did not return to elected office after this point. In 1889, he was appointed Collector of Customs at the Port of Beaufort. In
1: 1895, South Carolina Governor Benjamin R. Tillman urged the state to convene another constitutional convention to revise the state constitution, and it did. Because of all the work that had been done to gerrymander the state, intimidate black voters, and get black people out of public office, nearly all of the delegates to this constitutional convention were white. No black delegates were appointed to the Committee on the Rights of Suffrage. It was this committee that set up as many barriers to black citizens voting as possible without directly contradicting the 15th Amendment to the United States Constitution.
0: Over the strenuous objections and counter proposals of the six black Republican delegates to the Constitutional Convention, South Carolina adopted a new constitution. And under this constitution, in order to vote, people had to pass a literacy test, pay a poll tax and own at least three hundred dollars worth of property. Being convicted of a number of crimes, including arson, burglary and robbery, also stripped people of the right to vote. Combined, these stipulations in the state constitution stripped most black citizens of the right to vote, which continued to be the case until the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Also included in the 1895 constitution, the establishment of segregated schools.
1: Robert Smalls continued to hold his customs post until 1912, when he was reappointed by William Howard Taft, but not confirmed by the Senate. By this point, his health was really poor, and the Beaufort Customs House closed after he left. He died at the age of 76 in
0: 1915. In the 1940s, Camp Robert Smalls, which was part of the Great Lakes Naval Training Center and was created to train Black Navy seamen while the Navy was segregated, was named after him. In
1: 1976, Robert Smalls' Beaufort home was added to the National Register of Historic Places.
0: He was awarded the Palmetto Cross on May 13, 2002, the 140th anniversary of his capture of the planter in recognition of
1: his service to the South Carolina militia. An Army transport ship was christened the Major General Robert Smalls on April 21, 2004. At various
0: points, multiple schools in Beaufort County have borne Robert Small's name. Robert Small's Middle School, which is now Robert Small's International Academy, still does. In 2014, some of its alumni protested that its logo, which featured a man with a face that was darker on one side and lighter on the other, wearing what appeared to be Revolutionary War era garb, didn't accurately represent who Robert Small's was. The logo was temporarily changed to a G for Generals, which was their school mascot, but the greater discussion was still ongoing at the time we recorded this episode.
1: To end with a quote from the man himself, quote, My race needs no special defense, for the past history of them in this country proves them to be equal of any people anywhere. All they need is an equal chance in the battle of life. That is Robert Smalls. I had a surprisingly difficult time researching this episode because you can find lots of children's books about Robert Smalls in a typical public library. There are a lot of them. There are also numerous, like, rigorous academic works for adults about Robert Smalls. And to get any of them, I had to go to a university library. Like, Uh, the public library only had... The The children's book level stuff. It's a trend that frustrates me. Like, I am glad that there are children's books (laughs) about all of these people and these stories. That's great. And I'm glad that they're available for free at the public library. That's great. But it kind of sucks, slash really sucks, when a lot of these stories are looked at as, like, inspirational stories for children rather than things for adults to study seriously also. So uh, if you are interested in learning more about Robert Smalls, the two books that I had to go to a university library to get uh, are Gullah Statesman Robert Smalls from Slavery to Congress by Edward A. Miller and Yearning to Breathe Free Robert Smalls of South Carolina and His Families by Andrew Billingsley. And they are both really good.
0: Do you also have some listener mail for us? Yeah, I
1: do. Yay! Uh, it's from Aaron. Aaron says, Hi, ladies. Thanks so much for keeping the podcast interesting. I listen at work, and it helps keep me focused when I get overwhelmed and stressed. Thanks for giving me something else to think about when everything else gets too crazy. I just listened to the podcast on the schoolhouse blizzard, and your little side discussion into relative comfort and cold weather hit very close to home. I recently moved to Madison, Wisconsin from New York City, and while NYC isn't necessarily warm, it certainly isn't as cold as as Wisconsin. Now, just my second winter here in Wisconsin, I'm finding that I treat most winter temperatures the same as I used to treat temperatures 30 degrees warmer. For instance, I'll go out in 20-degree weather the same way I used to prepare for 50-degree weather, and this change in behavior was so drastic that even my husband took notice and got worried. He did some research and learned that this is not an an unexplained phenomenon. People that spend more time in cold weather will have the structure of their body fat change, becoming more insulative. When summer comes, the fat structure changes back, and the following winter, your body has to prepare all over again. This explains why I am now more comfortable in cold weather than I ever ever was before, and why people in northern climates wear shorts in the winter simply because their bodies are more prepared to deal with the cold. This could also explain why years ago, after spending two weeks in Cambodia working outside in 99-degree temperatures and nearly 99% humidity, I returned home to the hottest summer in New York City on record and found myself cold wearing a light summer A light sweater all summer long. Thanks for the podcast. I hope that I was able to teach you ladies something in exchange for everything you've taught me. Erin, thank you so much, Erin. I looked into this. That is indeed the case. And of course, most newspapers reported on this research as being like, did you know being cold might help you lose weight? Thanks, newspapers, for that not-the-point-at-all interpretation of a scientific study.
0: Yeah, that's the clickable version, right? But,
1: yeah. Well, did and you, I definitely, Did you find
0: any studies on my winter rage disorder? Because I never no. adjust. <laughs>
1: sadly. Sadly, no. Maybe I will research that after we're done recording. Uh, I have the exact same experience as Erin. Like, I will go outside, and it's 30 degrees, and I don't have gloves on. And that, I usually regret that after about 15 minutes. But... Uh, the fact that I will even walk out of my house without a hat and gloves on when it is in the 30s is still continues to baffle me because that used to be the freezingest temperature possible. It's pretty cold. Yep. Anyway, if you would like to write to us, we're at history podcasts at com. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash history, and on Twitter at Missed in history. Our Tumblr is MissedInHistory.tumblr.com. We're also on Pinterest at Pinterest.com slash mistinhistory. We have an Instagram. Our name on Instagram is also History. You can come to our parent company's website, which is HowStuffWorks.com. You can find all kinds of information about all kinds of fascinating subjects. You can also come to our website, which is mistinhistory.com, where you will find show notes for all the episodes Holly and I have worked on. You'll find an archive of every single episode we have ever done. You can do all that and a whole lot more at howstuffworks.com or missedinhistory.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
0: This is Danny Shapiro, host of the Hit Podcast. Family Secrets. I hope you'll join us for some incredible conversations about family, identity, and what happens to both when the secrets that have been kept from us and the secrets we keep finally come to light. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.